Greetings to all of you. I want to welcome all of us at Center Street Church, those of us here at Center Campus, as well as those joining us from our campus in Bear Spa, Bridgeland, Airdrie, and South Calgary. I also want to welcome our online audience as well. We are in a sermon series called Revive Us Again, and we are digging deeper into the topic of revival. Revival is God's way of breathing new life into us. It has both an individual and a corporate dimension. And when individual Christians are awakened, the ripple effect is felt by those around them, and that results in a corporate revival. A revival is needed because of the default mode of the human heart. It is easy to become lukewarm and spiritually cool off. And revival ushers a unique season in which the ordinary work of the Holy Spirit is intensified. The normal is heightened, leading to a, a renewal of spiritual life and a deeper commitment in your walk with God. And the Bible provides us uh, records of revival movements, primarily in the Old Testament and also in the New Testament. Uh, the Old Testament accounts of revival demonstrate the cyclical nature of the spiritual life. Now, after Walking away from God, the nation of Israel recognizes its failures and then return back to God and are aligned with Him once again. Uh, Old Testament scholar Walter Kaiser cites 11 instances of such corporate revivals in the Old Testament. Uh, examples include uh, the nation of Israel returning to God through the ministry of Moses and the events of the Exodus, and through the ministry of Joshua. God's people collectively affirm that they will serve the Lord. During the time of Samuel the prophet, once again we see a covenant renewal as people yet again testify to their faith in God. The book of Judges best illustrates this cyclical nature of the spiritual life, where the spiritual apostasy and then returning to God. Then we have Elijah on Mount Carmel, who takes on the prophets of Baal and defeats them. And as a result of that encounter, the nation of Israel acknowledges that Yahweh is God. The books of Kings and Chronicles record revivals under King Asa, King Hezekiah, King Josiah. There's another account of uh, people collectively returning to God through Ezra and Nehemiah and the rebuilding of the walls and the temple of Jerusalem. Now, all through the Old Testament, revivals play an important role in renewing Israel's spiritual life. So, is revival just an Old Testament phenomenon? And not at all. In the New Testament, the book of Acts serves as a paradigm for revival. Both individuals and the community of the early church had a vibrant walk with God. So if you want to see a revived church in action, all you have to do is read the book of Acts. Now, I've given you a quick biblical survey of revivals. So as you read the Bible, you will be able to identify them yourself. While revival is a sovereign, mysterious work of God, there are some things that we as God's people ought to do in order to prepare for it. There are some things that we need to reclaim in the church in order to see a dynamic move of the Holy Spirit. And last weekend, we talked about reclaiming prayer. 
And you heard the announcement tomorrow night right here at our central campus. We will be gathering all of our campuses coming together to express our dependence on the Lord and pray for revival. Now, I tell you, I don't know of a revival that was not preceded by seasons of fervent prayers. And I hope that you will be able to take the time to come here tomorrow and seek God's face together. This weekend, we're going to talk about the second aspect we need to reclaim. I want to address the importance of reclaiming the Word, the centrality of the Bible in the life of the church. The Word of God and faithful biblical preaching have played a critical role in the history of revivals. Revivals restore the authority of God's Word among His people. And the way we prepare for a revival is by diligently paying attention to the Bible. We are not just hearers or readers of the Bible, but we are doers of the Word. We live out the Bible in active obedience. Most revivals in Bible and in church history were preceded by a time of deep spiritual decline and declension. When revival comes... It reverses the spiritual climate. It raises the spiritual temperature of uh, individuals, of a city, a province, and even an entire nation. In the Bible, the book of Chronicles presents a, a prolonged season of spiritual dryness and indifference. Everything was on a decline, a downward trend. The leadership of the nation was in disarray. Spiritual compromise was the order of the day, and the people of God had turned their backs on God. And that spiritual crisis was raging for years, decades. And in that depressing time, one person decided that was enough. And he acknowledged the failures of God's people and sought God with all of his heart. And that impacted an entire nation and brought the people back to God. And what played an important role in all of this is the discovery of the Word. Revival broke out through the finding of God's Word and responding in obedience to its teachings. The person I'm talking about is King Josiah. We're going to look at two chapters today, 2 Chronicles chapter 34 and 35. But before we do that, uh, if you're physically able, would you stand as we commit our time to the Lord in prayer? Lord, as we talk about decline and spiritual declension, we are reminded of the times we are living in right now. This spiritual lukewarmness all around us. We're living in dark and difficult days. We desperately need a revival. So would you speak to us even today about reclaiming the Word, the centrality of the Bible in our life, in the life of our church, that you would cause this message, Lord, to minister to each one of us in a personal way, that this Word will come alive in our hearts as you speak to us through the power of your Spirit. And we pray this in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. You all may be seated. Second Chronicles chapter 34 opens with these words. 
Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. But today, we have a hard time asking an eight-year-old to clean up their room. Can you imagine an eight-year-old running the affairs of an entire nation? Uh, Josiah was the youngest to become king in Israel. And keep in mind, for decades, the spiritual trajectory of the entire nation was just going downward, plummeting. Uh, speaking of uh, Josiah's grandfather, Manasseh, the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 33, verse 9, but Manasseh led Judah and the people of Jerusalem astray so that they did more evil than the nations the Lord had destroyed before the Israelites. Now, you know things are really down when the people in the church are more sinful than the people in the world. That's what was hap happening during Manasseh's time. Under the reign of this wicked king, the nation was steeped in idolatry and all kinds of detestable practices. The priests who were supposed to teach the law became progressive in their thinking and undermined the Word of God. Divination and witchcraft were being practiced freely. Children were bound and offered as sacrifices in the fire. A handcrafted idol had been brought inside the very temple of God. That was Judah during Manasseh's time. And what we see here is the power of one person to influence multitudes in the path of evil. And you look at history and you will see it time and again how that has been played out. When one person is steeped in sin and rebellious in their heart, so many others will pay the price for that. Manasseh's reign was wicked. He brought the pagan deities inside the Lord's temple. Divination, idolatry, all kinds of evil practices were rampant. And guess who paid the price for all of this? Innocent children. Kids were offered as sacrifices in the fire to pagan gods. When a nation walks in wickedness, the children are the innocent victims. And I tell you, that has not changed even today. Just hear the militant propaganda of the pro-choice movement that supports abortion rights. A generation blinded by sin continues to offer its children as sacrifices. Manasseh's son Amon, Josiah's father, was no better. 2 Chronicles 33, 21 and 22, it points out, Amon was 22 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, as his father Manasseh had done. Amon worshipped and offered sacrifices to all the idols Manasseh had made. So Amon is no different than his father Manasseh, walks in the same footsteps. One generation after another had strayed from God. Worship in the temple had been shut down for 75 years. A previous religious awakening had happened 100 years earlier. 
three generations of people lived in an environment of spiritual compromise. They knew nothing better. Into this scene arrives eight-year-old Josiah and assumes the leadership of a nation that was far, far from God. And amidst this spiritual backdrop of deterioration and chaos, God used Josiah to usher in a great revival. Now, our text says Josiah did not follow the example of his father or his grandfather, but he walked in the ways of David. And he did not turn aside to the right or to the left. And that's another way of saying Josiah honored the Lord and walked in his ways. Second Chronicles 34, verse 3, it says, In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father, David. In his twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem of high places, Asherah poles, and idols. At the age of 16, eight years into his reign, Josiah started seeking the Lord. That is how you stem the tide. That is how we reverse the spiritual decline that's all around us by setting our hearts steadfastly on the Lord. The revival is not rocket science. It's not about us coming up with some groundbreaking new spiritual truths. It's all about wholeheartedly returning back to the Lord. If one person who indulges in wickedness can have a negative influence on multitudes, the opposite is also true. One person who sets their heart on God can positively impact the lives of multitudes. You may come from a dysfunctional family. Maybe long-standing problems run in your family lineage. Sinful patterns of life have been handed over from one generation to another. But you can be that agent of change. When you seek the Lord with all of your heart, when you say, that is enough, I'm not going to let this brokenness continue on in my family lineage. I'm not going to allow the enemy to mess with me anymore. Then you will be the catalyst in God's hands to bring spiritual transformation in your family. You may be in a school or a work environment that is totally godless. But when your heart is devoted to the Lord, then you will be the bearer of light in that dark setting. And you may belong to a church community that has lost its spiritual fervor, but if you are yielded to the Lord, then God may use you to bring revival in that community. God always works through those whose hearts are fully committed to him, even if they are a minority. Josiah, at the age of 16, started seeking the Lord. And when you think of revivals, we often associate revivals with gray-haired, elderly, seasoned saints of the faith. But read church history, and you will be amazed to see how many revivals actually started with young people. When young people start seeking the Lord, something incredible seems to happen in the spiritual realm. The first and the second great awakenings, 
two powerful revival movements that have had a profound spiritual impact on the United States of America. Both revivals shook the churches of their times. The key figure behind the first great awakening in the 18th century was a 30-year-old pastor named Jonathan Edwards. During the second awakening in the early 19th century, God used another young preacher named Charles Finney. And at the time of the second great awakening, there was a prayer revival called the Haystack Prayer Meetings. It's the greatest mission catalyst that North America has ever seen. In 1806, five young people on a small college campus started praying together in a little town in Massachusetts. They knelt by the haystacks on the meadows and pleaded with the Lord to send laborers to reap the harvest in the ends of the earth. They refused to accept the spiritual apathy and compromise that was all around them. This prayer meeting of young people, college-age students that took place in a, a little-known, inconspicuous place triggered a massive mission movement that led to the formation of organizations like the American Bible Society. The impact of these prayers were felt all around the world as several young people gave their lives to become full-time Christian missionaries and took the gospel to the ends of the earth. Throughout history, Christian college campuses have seen revivals time and again. Asbury College in Kentucky in 1970 saw a revival that led to a, a conscious awareness of God's presence and a deep confession of sins among the student body. Wheaton College saw a revival in the 1990s, and both these revivals had significant impact in global missions. Young people have always been instrumental in bringing revival. And even as I read all these historical accounts, I'm simply in awe of what God has done in the past. But it also leads me to pray, Lord, would you raise a generation of young people from among us who will steward a powerful revival and proclaim the name of Jesus to their generation. So at the age of 16, Josiah started seeking the Lord. By the age of 20, Josiah said, I'm not going to take this spiritual compromise and spiritual apathy anymore. That is enough. And he started to institute some major changes. And when a person turned 20 in the Hebrew culture, that was a critical age because in that culture, that was the age of majority. 20-year-old Josiah started to destroy pagan worship and altars of the idols. Later, Josiah issues the command to repair the temple and restore worship once again. And something amazing happens when they recover and rebuild the temple. And here's, here's the words in 2 Chronicles 34, verses 14 to 19. While they were bringing out the money that had been taken into the temple of the Lord, Hilkiah, the priest, found the book of the law of the Lord that had been given through Moses. 
Elkeah said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan. Then Shaphan took the book to the king and reported to him, your officials are doing everything that has been committed to them. They have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the supervisors and workers. Then Shaphan, the secretary, informed the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read from it in the presence of the king. When the king heard the words of the law, he tore his robes. See, what has happened is years of spiritual compromise had brought the nation so low that they had completely forgotten the Word of God. Can you imagine? The law of God, which was given to the Israelites as a sign of His covenant with them, that which ought to set the people of God apart from the rest of the nations. That book was tossed aside and kept in some closet in the temple, never to be opened for so many years. And what we see here in the text is what happens when God's Word was rediscovered and reclaimed. See, Josiah had good intentions when he wanted to bring spiritual cleansing in the land. But he did not have the revelation of the Bible. There was no Bible around in his time. He didn't know how to bring transformation. But as the law of God was now discovered in the temple, the first five books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, it was being read to the king, and it had a powerful impact on Josiah. He was deeply, deeply convicted. That resulted in genuine repentance. Hear me. There is no substitute for the Bible. What brings solidity to revivals is the Word of God. We all know that emotions don't last forever. They come and they go. But God's Word is the abiding, enduring, unchanging influence in our life. When Christian denominations start questioning the authority of God's Word, they lose their edge. When churches start ignoring significant portions of the Bible and only focus on their favorite Bible passages, that begins the decline of the church. When the Bible is being neglected, when preaching becomes secondary and all other things are trying to take the center stage in a church, we have a problem on our hands. We settle for an experiential Christianity that doesn't have the firepower to last very long. Direct engagement with God's Word is a precursor for revival. So when Bibles are left unopened, and they gather dust, that's a sign we are spiritually famished. Is God's Word a lamp to our feet and a light to our path? You know, in revival times, the Bible comes alive. It is no longer an old archaic book that was written centuries ago, but it is a living book through which God speaks to your soul. What we see in Josiah's response is what happens when one person takes God's Word seriously. 
how Josiah read the Bible, and he saw how he and his entire nation had fallen short of God's standards. When Josiah tore his robes, that was a sign of deep distress, and his weeping signified true conviction. Now, let me ask you, when was the last time you read the Bible like that? That when you opened the pages of the Bible or you heard the Bible being preached to you, you were so convicted that you fell down on your knees because of the weight of conviction of your sin. Now, God's Word is sharper than a scalpel. It cuts right through to your soul. See, there are so many acceptable sins that we tolerate in our Christian life and pretend like they're all okay. And what God's Word does is it shines the light on the deep recesses of our heart, that which is hidden from everybody else's eyes. But God puts the spotlight on those very things and brings conviction so we can be right in our relationship with Him. It leads to confession of our sins and forgiveness. The text here in Chronicles shows us the recovery of God's Word leads to revival. Josiah, having found the book of the law, now calls all the people in Israel to come together to hear the book of the law. Look at these words in 2 Chronicles 34, 29 to 31. And the king called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. The king stood by his pillar and renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all his heart and all his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. Unconditional obedience to God's word is a distinguishing feature of revival. The people of God during Josiah's time renewed their covenant with God. After decades of spiritual apathy, the people of God were now awakened. They repented. They committed their lives to following the Lord with their heart and their soul. And what triggered all of this? It's reclaiming the Word. When the Bible was given its central place, it in turn paved the way for the people to return back to God. And they didn't just commit to reading the Bible, but to wholeheartedly become doers of the Word, to follow the commands, statutes, and decrees, not half-heartedly, but with their heart and their soul. That is the pathway to revival, even today. Second Chronicles 34, verse 33, says something. It's, it's fascinating. Josiah removed all the detestable idols from all the territory belonging to the Israelites, and he had all who were present in Israel serve the Lord their God. As long as he lived, they did not fail to follow the Lord, the God of their ancestors. 
And I don't know about you, but that stirs my heart. The text says, as long as Josiah lived, the people did not fail to follow their Lord God, the God of their ancestors. One person ensured that all the people of God of his time walked in the ways of God. And that tells me one person today who seeks to honor God and his word, who takes God seriously and lives by the principles of the Bible, can have an incredible impact in their sphere of influence. Now, Josiah's revival, it did not last forever. The succeeding generations, if you continue reading the book of Chronicles, you will see this. The succeeding generations just went back to their old way of life. Now, critics of revival say, what is the big deal about revival? Uh, Josiah leaves the scene and the people go right back to their old ways of life. What did revival really accomplish? Revival accomplishes God's purposes for a generation. The people of Josiah's time felt the impact of the revival and their spiritual trajectory was changed. Revivals do not last forever. Every generation has to yearn for it. You cannot ride on the spiritual success of the previous generation. While revivals may not last very long, it doesn't change the fact that something incredible happens to God's people in that short period. Revivals have a restorative effect. They realign us back to God's purposes. And what years of regular ministry cannot accomplish, a revival can accomplish in days. And I've personally spoken to people who were impacted by the Saskatoon revival of 1971, a move of God right here in our nation of Canada. They say it lasted for seven weeks. And people today still talk about the impact of their, that revival in their life. You come to 2 Chronicles 35, the next chapter. It's all about Israel celebrating the Passover as a nation. For a long time, the nation had forgotten what God did for them. But when the word of God was reclaimed, it took Israel back to their roots. 2 Chronicles 35 Verses 17 to 19, it says, The Israelites who were present celebrated the Passover at the time and observed the festival of unleavened bread for seven days. The Passover had not been observed like this in Israel since the days of the prophet Samuel. And none of the kings of Israel had ever celebrated such a Passover as did Josiah with the priests, the Levites, and all Judah and Israel who were there with the people of Jerusalem. This Passover was celebrated in the 18th year of Josiah's reign. Now, God had clearly commanded his people to celebrate the Passover yearly as a regular, visible reminder of their deliverance from Egypt. When they applied the blood of the Passover lamb on the doorposts, the angel of death passed over them. 
That is the gospel as clear as it can get in the Old Testament. That we don't earn our way to God through our efforts, but we are redeemed by innocent blood. But during Josiah's time, because of the spiritual apathy that had been raging for years, the people had completely forgotten the Passover. Reclaiming the Word of God led to the people celebrating the Passover once again. And no king had led in a Passover celebration with such enthusiasm as did Josiah. And that reestablished their identity as God's people. People who had forgotten God's great act of deliverance on their behalf were once again in awe of their salvation. That is revival. Revival recovers our awe of the gospel. No, we as God's people are not in awe of God's salvation. How can we possibly invite others into it? We know we need revival when the gospel no longer moves us to tears. When we lose sight of the power of the cross and allow familiarities to start breeding contempt. We may take a, a doctrinal test and get all our answers correct, and yet our hearts can be cold when it comes to the experiential realities of those very truths. There are churchgoers who may pass a Bible knowledge test, but that doesn't mean they have an authentic encounter with Christ. And as some of you, you experienced the gospel a long, long time ago, but are you still gripped by the reality of what Jesus has done for you? Does the very thought of your salvation cause you to drop down on your knees in profound worship? A revival is about being recaptured by the wonder of the gospel, being in awe of what God has done for you in Christ. It is taking a fresh look at the cross, the nails, the blood dripping from the battered, bruised body of Jesus and coming to the realization that's how much Jesus loves me. When you are in awe of the good news of what Jesus has personally done for you, then you are ready to be an ambassador for God. I'll close with this story of one of history's most powerful revivals called the First Great Awakening of the 18th century which is very similar to what happened during Josiah's time. Recounting all the history of what has happened tells us that history can be repeated, that this can happen in our generation as well. In 18th century England, spiritual compromise was the order of the day. Living conditions were appalling. Crime rates were high. The moral framework of the society was in tatters. The churches were not preaching the Bible. The clergy were corrupt, and the Word of God was completely lost among the people of God. In such a time, God raised one person who changed the course of the entire nation by rediscovering 
the gospel. One person like Josiah changed the spiritual trajectory of multitudes. All of England was transformed. And the movement that this person started continues even today. The person I'm talking about is John Wesley. As a young man, Wesley sought God earnestly, but in his own strength. His pursuit was not informed by Scripture. Now, Wesley had even committed to be a, a missionary to the British colonies in Savannah, Georgia, but he himself did not have a, a personal assurance of salvation. In what is famously called the Aldersgate Experience, John Wesley received the personal assurance of his sins forgiven. And this is what Wesley wrote in his journal. Listen to these famous words. In the evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Martin Luther's preface to the epistle to the Romans about a quarter before nine while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Through that personal encounter with Jesus, Wesley recovered the gospel message that had been completely lost in his generation. And from that day forward, there was no turning back. Wesley never lost the wonder of the truth that we are saved not by any works of righteousness that we do, but because of what Jesus has done for us on the cross. And Wesley proclaimed this message unashamedly and passionately to his generation. His preaching ignited a wild fire. In his lifetime of ministry, Wesley traveled over 250,000 miles on horseback, preached over 40,000 sermons, and resorted to outdoor preaching, which was unheard of in those times. You need to come to church in order to hear preaching. Nobody ever associated preaching with open fields. And Wesley never relinquished the grand theme that God's free grace saves sinners. An entire nation responded to the gospel. It led to revivals and awakenings that brought holistic transformation in the community. What God did then, He's well able to do today. When we reclaim the Word of God, we also recover the beauty of the gospel. When you are in awe of your own salvation, you can hardly keep this message to yourself. You have to share it with those around you. When reflecting on the gospel leads you to deep worship and gratitude, then you're ready to be an ambassador for Christ. So I plead with you today, don't allow these familiar truths lose their profound meaning. 
personal revival is all about returning to a vibrant, pulsating, thriving relationship with Christ. It starts with one person, but it doesn't stop there. Like a fire, this effect that spreads and multitudes of people are impacted as well. I'm going to ask all of us to stand as we come to an end. Let's maintain a moment of silence right now to quieten our hearts, to ask, Lord, what are you saying to me? And what do you want me to do with it? There are some of you here. You've lost that fire. That the old truths of the gospel no longer move you to tears. And something deep needs to happen within. And only the Spirit of God can do that. In rekindling that flame once again. So do you maintain a moment of silence and just contemplate on this and and allow the Spirit of God to move freely in our midst.